You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. This week, we have a lot to talk about. I'm Victor, and joining me is my good friend and yours, William Gallagher. Hello. I'm thinking we should say uh, VM and WG, just shorten them down because we've got so much else to get in. We need to save these precious seconds that I'm now wasting. In years past, I have gone by V. I've been addressed by V, and, and it's just one of those things. So people call you whatever they call you. So there we go. It's <laughs> V and W, which is actually someone else's brand. We'll not do that. Carry on. Anyway, <laughs> this is a unique week for us on the production side of things. Uh, my computer had a graphics glitch. The GPU began to glitch, which made my eyes twitch, which put me in a stitch, which led us to this sitch where we are now podcasting using an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly old school 2008 MacBook. Which? That, that's all I had. That's which, the use which, of every other rhyme. Which okay. is running Leopard. If oh, you can I imagine leopard. Yes, preferred snow well, leopard. But you know, that, that's. I was about to say. You know, everyone says that snow leopard was sort of the pinnacle of that era of Mac OS X. This one's run run uh, leopard, and is kind of hanging in there. The battery is completely gone, and this is its second battery I've put in it. It's it's a shot battery. There's no question. So as long as the MagSafe connector isn't too frayed, we'll be in good shape. God, MagSafe, I'd forgotten about those. That was a great idea. That's a brilliant thing that Apple does, MagSafe. Yes. Or did. Yeah. 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 They'll never get so, rid of that. No. So trying to record a pod. Now, obviously, we recorded podcasts back in the dark days using PowerBooks and PowerMacs. So this should totally be possible. But one of the things that we forget is just how much these things change, right? For example, in, in modern High Sierra, modern Sierra, modern Mojave, your desktop and documents can be stored in iCloud and just pulled back down as you need them. And that doesn't function on Yosemite or earlier or Snow Leopard or Lion or in this case, Leopard. So anything that I would have had access to there, I don't really have access to on this machine. Uh, actually, it's, I can it's think of a that you can. Yeah, but it's, it's very rounded. Com? Yeah, sort of there. Um, it's only useful for the odd one-off file, but you can retrieve anything from iCloud Drive that right, way. And, right. and I've done it in a pinch. But yeah, yeah. Um, Air, it, it's AirDrop isn't there, so you know, moving oh. things between phone and and Mac aren't there. Um, you know, if you if you're using applications that touched iCloud Calendar, they they cry loudly that they can't access it and so then you start figuring out okay one-time passwords instead of two-factor auth it's it's all kind of nuts and trying to make it work on this old thing has been an, an adventure but here we are we're recording on it and the other thing i should point out is that many websites don't actually work well on it you know now Safari, that surprises me really well, chrome, chrome is not updated for it any longer so chrome just kind of throws up its hands and says whatever man you can't do it and websites go, hey, I was looking for new Chrome, and you're not it. Um, Safari is there, but there are websites that just don't render the same way any longer. Wow. It's it's a little interesting just how things have moved on. Now, I you know I, I don't intend to make this my main machine. I'm hopeful that I'll get something going instead of this uh, 2014 MacBook Pro that's that's failing. But uh, here we are. 
Now, this is a week where I think we should talk about security. How do you feel about that? Oh, everything's perfectly secure. I can't conceive why you would pick this week of all weeks. Is something bothering you? Well, uh, yes, I know. It's we have we, we have problems. We have problems right here in River City. And the the first problem I guess I'd talk about is William, do you know how you report a problem with security if you wanted to? How how would you go about reporting a vulnerability? Uh to Apple, for example. Or or um, to anyone for that matter, but how what would you do? Uh, well, I'm in the Apple Developer Program. I would probably file a radar or something, although I've never actually done it, so I don't know how that would be. Um, other than that, um, email info at facebook.com. Yeah, that'll get a fast response. I don't know. Is there uh, a particular way I should be aware of? Well, it's difficult because each company or service has their own way of, of doing this. You know, oh, some... no, no. Actually, couldn't I just mention my woes in front of Alexa and trust that Google will pick it up and do something with it? That was harsh. You're I was, I was, I'm, I'm a little confused by mentioning it in front of Alexa and having Google pick it up. If that's possible, that's a little scarier than I'd previously thought about. You don't think that's possible? I, I would, I would think that if you'd mentioned in front of Alexa, Amazon would pick it up and that it would go straight to Jeff Bezos' office. But, but I, um, <laughs> I'd be very surprised if Google were listening in on Alex. I think Amazon would be surprised too. They're all in it together. That's what they're, it is. Well, I didn't no, just make a mistake for themselves. <laughs> well, yes, that's true, and actually not unreasonably so. I mean, yeah, but yes. Well, okay. let's let's let's. This is this is. In, so I was going to talk about a different story first. I was going to talk about a fellow who was a young man, 14-year-old or so, playing Fortnite and FaceTiming with friends and discovered that if he FaceTimed them and they did not pick up, that he could hear what was going on from their microphone. He could eavesdrop on them. And that furthermore, if they pressed the the sleep-wake button on the side of the phone, that it started showing him their video. I know about this story. And I'm slightly freaked out about it, but I don't understand how it all works. Part of group FaceTime, yeah, uh, and so that's been switched off or something. But how exactly, could this be? exactly. So there was a, a bug on the back end of group FaceTime that enabled this to happen, and it was, um, you know, it was amazing. As soon as this started getting posted on Twitter, I got a deluge of people trying to FaceTime call me that I've never had before, and they were all experimenting, trying to see if it was possible. Right. So suddenly you were popular. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> Did it work, though? Did you answer anybody or not answer anybody and find it? It, it appeared to have worked, yeah. It wow. appeared to have been an issue. And the story goes that the mother of this 14-year-old had tried to report this and had done so with, with limited success, that she was trying to contact Apple, that she had contacted them to let them know, and that they didn't really seem to acknowledge it. Now, there's some suggestion in one of her emails that, that they were sort of fishing for compensation for it, but it's it's kind of a big splashy bug that, that they would want to include in their bug bounty, potentially. I mean, at least on the surface, it seems that way, whether or not the terms match up to that. The uh, But the difficulty is, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to report something, you, you and you don't know, if you're not a developer account, if you don't know that Apple's term for tracking bugs is radar mm. right mm. you know there there's a lot of a lot of difficulty in how do you do this and 
I'm not sure you could ask any person who uses iOS, how would you report a bug in iOS? You know, is there a means within iOS to report a bug? I'm not positive. I think you have to end up using a Mac or a web browser. And it's it's not easy. They manage to get in touch with someone and get a reply back, but they they then went ahead and disclosed it to the world because they felt like they weren't getting quite enough attention on it. And that's another part that's a difficult part of interaction is what's responsible disclosure, right? Yeah. Do you do you do you go ahead and announce to the world first and then tell the company they've got a problem? That's generally irresponsible, right? You want to tell the company first, give them a chance to fix it, and then figure out what's going on. And this is something we saw this week with uh, LifeX, Xiaomi, Tuya, and and some other smart bulb manufacturers. Where with right. LifeX, for example. Like this one I know nothing bulb? at all about. What did they do? Did the bulbs switch themselves on? No, no. The bulbs, so the bulbs have inside them a Wi-Fi module, yeah? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, but that makes sense, yes. Well, so LifeX bulbs are a Wi-Fi bulb. They don't require a bridge to be plugged into your router or anything like that. They're just a, a bulb with a Wi-Fi module. And someone cracked a bulb open and connected the bulb to his computer and probed it and was able to talk to the bulb. And just communicating with the bulb, they were able to find that the Wi-Fi password was not encrypted. Okay. So so here's here's the threat vector for this, which is a fancy word of saying here's how you're vulnerable. If you had a LifeX bulb and it stopped working and you threw it out, you put it in your recycling bin, you 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 know disposed of it, and someone plucked it out of your recycling bin and connected it to their computer, they then had your Wi-Fi network. Right. I hadn't thought that through. That makes sense. How are Philips Hue bulbs? Are they doing okay? Can I relax? Uh, uh, Philips Hue bulbs are a slightly different setup. Philips Hue bulbs use a bridge that connects directly to your router using Ethernet. And then from that bridge, connects to the individual bulbs using what's called Zigbee. Zigbee is a radio protocol, um, uses different frequency band, kind of named like uh, Wi-Fi. You know, Wi-Fi doesn't actually mean anything. It originally yes. was was backwards defined to mean wireless fidelity, but it's just a made-up name. Zigbee is also a made-up name, and Zigbee is a mesh network where Wi-Fi is traditionally a point, a, a hub and spoke network. Every device is at the sure. end of a spoke that talks directly to the center hub of Wi-Fi. For Zigbee, you have that bridge, and then each one is a mesh node. So the messages you pass to the end bulb go through all of the first bulbs and get passed along all the way around. And each one extends the network a little bit, which is kind of a cool thing. Now, the downside is that all of those bulbs are in what we call promiscuous mode. You like Sometimes the sound of that, don't you? Terms I, okay, yes. Uh, <laughs> I won't forget you it. You didn't know yeah. that your bulbs were promiscuous, did you? I don't feel it's safe to answer at this point, but um, these <laughs> bulbs are um, vulnerable. Therefore, I am vulnerable. Well, I, uh, vulnerable, but you know you need to take into account what is the practical threat risk here. And so, so let me explain. Um, because the bulbs are basically looking for things to connect to. They yes. don't have a button on them. They don't have you don't you don't do anything directly to the bulb to get it to connect. What you do with a Philips Hue system is you you power the bulb and then you press a button on the bridge and the bridge finds the bulb and the bulb pairs. That's because mm -hmm. the bulb is promiscuously already ready and looking for requests to pair. Okay. 
and I'm trying to say that terminology delicately. Yes, well done. Um, your bulb wants to hook up with your bridge, baby. And the the attack vector there is that because the bulb is looking, it's possible to get the bulb to reset and then take over the bulb. And, you know, it, there there is a fact for this. It was covered in a security talk about two or three years ago. And the the response of all of them was, yeah, we see that bug and we don't think it's serious and we're not going to address it was the initial response that people gave. And in Zigbee 3.0, I think there's a little bit of something for it. But Phillips's answer to this has been to say, we used to work with any Zigbee bulb, but for people who bought off-brand bulbs or other brand bulbs and tried to use them with Hue, we're just going to disallow those now. And of course, that invites anti-competitive questions. You know, why, why are you kicking out these other bulbs that formerly worked? And Hue says, well, you know, it's a security violation. And the truth is their own bulbs are no more secure. At least they weren't two or three years ago. But this is a really kind of obscure hack, which to be fair, so is digging a bulb out of your trash can. Now, the LifeX thing was a vulnerability that had been reported to the company six months ago and now is disclosed because LifeX hasn't done a thing about it. That's responsible disclosure. They reported the bug, they waited and waited and waited and waited and the vendor did nothing. And so you know what? Now people get to talk about it and that will push LifeX to do something perhaps. Okay, that makes sense. That's plenty of time. And if you, there comes a point when not revealing it to the world is um, a derogation of duty in some sense. So they, whoever they were, they did that right. Good on them. Yeah. So it's, but this is the difficulty is how do you disclose things and how do you reach out to the company and, and are you reaching out through the right avenues? And it's hard to know. It really is. Uh, You know, with, with Hugh, I think you're reasonably safe, but consider who you're at risk from, right? Are you being attacked by foreign governments or is it your neighbor who wants to take control of your light bulb and maybe get on your network? None of those are good, but you know, one you can sort of model against and the other you kind of have to say, if a foreign government is coming after William Gallagher, then then we sort of have to uh, accept that William might be at a loss there. Okay, I think foreign governments might have more important things to do. But yes, in principle, there's a scale and there's an issue. It's how it's about the whole thing of how much should we accept as a security risk because of the convenience, isn't it? And I think increasingly the answer is we accept quite a bit. Um, well, why is the word Facebook in my mind? But okay. I mean, in the in the past, we'll get to that one in just a second. But in the past, security and convenience have been placed as opposites and trade-offs. Yes. Where where and and, and that shows itself in how we treat things that are security uh, features. For example, your bank password, where your bank rings you, you know, puts a message up and says your password is going to expire every three months. And you have to have a password that has 13 characters of upper and lowercase letters in your password. And, you know, they they do that and they say that you can't reuse them, which is good practices, but also very difficult to the point where people can't remember their passwords. Or, you know, some of the, the, the verified by Visa stuff where please enter your password, but only enter the second, seventh and third characters <laughs> yes. of your password. And you start counting in your fingers because you don't know what the heck the second, seventh, and third characters are. No one does. It's absurd. And and all of that breaks password managers, which are a good, good product because password managers will generate the password for you so that you don't have to. So you don't have to remember it, so that you don't reuse passwords. You know, and and 
all of that comes to point out the fact that passwords are kind of a bad way of doing security to begin with. Yes, yeah, I actually I love one password. <laughs> I think it's one of the most most used apps. Right, I right, have, but so it's I'm a patch on what is a bad this, user activity um, to begin with. Yeah, it's a tool for a necessary. Activity. Yeah, I tell you what, let's forget right, it all. Let's abandon so, password so, managers, and I'll help you out. Well, you just tell me your password, and I'll remember it for you. No, no, no. So, so the question is: Are there other ways of identifying a user that are not related to remembering strings of characters? You know, your your phone is your phone, right? Uh, one imagines, yes. Unless, it, yeah. unless it's a company phone. Not to try to make this too complicated, but you know, there, well, there and are... company phone is actually very relevant, and I'll use it in ten seconds from now. I promise, okay. I'm getting there. I know where you want to go with this, and I'm gonna get there. But the 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 if if your computer is your computer and it's your user account right then that's got a fingerprint it's got a fingerprint based on the hardware it's got a fingerprint based on the the software that you have installed it's got a fingerprint based on your user behavior based on it kind of thing and so it's possible to take those as a profile and use that instead of a password the same is true for your phone it, because these things are personal devices now it breaks for the i want to use someone else's public computer to log into things but there there are different approaches to identity and we haven't solved it at all and and mostly we haven't even tried to solve it because we're still stuck in this idea of let's use passwords and then let's do sms based authentication which is ridiculously stupid and unsafe or two factor authentication where it's um the best instance of that is a six-digit number that's generated on some other device you own, and we just trust because you have both devices on you that you might be that person. Mm -hmm. Might, maybe not. It's it's uh, a difficult thing. Now, with corporate-owned devices, which you just mentioned, corporate-owned devices have corporate owners, and corporate owners want to control those devices, and they want to do that for security. If you lose your device, they want to be able to reset it, right? Mm -hmm. They want to be able to ensure that the network connection between that device is secure. So they'll use a VPN or a virtual private network. And they want to be able to distribute software to their employees' devices and do it all the same and not have to do an app store or have an app store account. They just want to be able to, to preload them with the tools that those people need and pre-configure them. Because configuring your own email is kind of a pain, right? They can just preload a profile so that the email is already set up on your phone. Yes, I'm hesitating only because everybody I know who's got a corporate phone despises it because it's always it's two versions of iOS ago. The apps are the ones they wouldn't choose to use, and all of this is they feel like hidebound rather than enabled by it. But the principle, yes, absolutely, right, right. But so here, here's the thing about that: ID departments uh, have have competing goals, and their their goal is to ensure a smoothly working system that works under a new number of different conditions that works with the combination of software that they need and uses the software that's been approved for the task. And those approvals involve what IT recommends and then what gets approved above IT, and they don't always have complete choice in it. Now, the, the IT department that issues stuff that is two versions ago and is not the software that the users wish to use is what leads to what I call rogue IT, where some enterprising person like myself just figures the way around it and starts installing the stuff. Now, that person is usually hated by IT departments, but the best situations I've ever seen have been ones where rogue IT gets drafted by regular IT to help them 
because now they're on the same team and then they can start to work towards some of the same goals. For example, I, I worked in a place that would not accept an expense report unless it was on an Excel spreadsheet and you had to paste your paper receipts onto a single sheet of uh, letter paper or A4, if you will, and photograph them and then attach that photograph to your Excel spreadsheet. And that's how you submitted expenses. And it was mm. nightmarish. And it took forever for them to get paid because it was nightmarish for everyone. Mm. And I started using a phone app to scan and OCR them and then file them with Expensify. And then as the last step, use Expensify to generate the Excel spreadsheet they had to have. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yes. And it smoothed it out so well. And I started, you know, when people were complaining about expenses, I'd show them my trick. And the next thing I know, I was being asked into the finance department to teach them how to use Expensify so no one had to use paper anymore and that we didn't need the Excel spreadsheets. And uh, uh, Did they pay your expenses for going into the office to explain they that? They paid my expenses, yes. That's okay, that's just but to check. But where I'm going with this is is that... If something goes wrong, corporate IT gets the gets blamed, right? They they have the responsibility to keep these things working, and sometimes they choose things that ensure their job security. They're experts on this product, so they want to use that product, even if the users would prefer there was something else. Yeah. So um, the, the 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 choices get made, but the end of the day is that corporate IT does feel a need to control the devices and and be able to erase them and be able to make sure that they're secured. And if someone says, why isn't this secured? They'll be able to say, here's exactly how we secured. Here's the VPN. Here was the certificate. Here was the, the, the things, the steps that we took. Now, where this goes wrong <laughs> is something that happens this week with a little company named Google and even littler company named Facebook. Google, right? Yes. Okay. I think... Yeah. Actually, I remember the day I was first told about Google in a BBC newsroom and didn't quite believe it was a real word. But yes, have they been up well, to something? You, you know where it comes from, right? It comes from the, the word Google, or which which the is G-O-O-G-O-L, the math term. Yes. Meaning one with by many, many, many zeros after it. The child of a mathematician who uh, was derelict in his or her duty and just assigned naming jobs to the first passing small person. Okay, yes. Fair enough. But, you know, they, they figured they had tons of results and therefore it was the same kind of close enough term. Naming products is hard. Naming words is, you know, naming these things is hard. Picking up a made up word is easier to register as a website in a business than a word that's familiar. So it makes tons of sense actually. Now, Facebook, I said, is the littler company, right? They're littler than Google, but they're still a $400 billion company. Yes, and they've made their money the hard way, yes. Well, I mean, if, if you and I were to, to take our salaries, put them together, and work for 200 years without paying taxes or expenses or food or shelter, we just might be able to clear $1 billion. Um, I'm obviously more independently wealthy than... No, I'm not. I was going to try pulling that off, but forget <laughs> it. Okay, right. yes. Well, in that case. But but basically, it, it, it would be quite a feat. And so Facebook wants to capture an understanding of what the youth are up to. Right? For years, there's been a rumor that, that Facebook was... Uh, that, that kids were leaving Facebook. Yeah. And... Facebook bought products to try and, and bolster themselves. 
you know, they bought Instagram yes. because that's where the youth were going. They they bought WhatsApp, and WhatsApp went ahead and and you know turned messaging into a big thing that Facebook has yet to be able to replicate. And Facebook was making noise about the possibility of integrating. WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and Instagram all into one product so that messages would go across those services. Mm-hmm. They they don't really get it. Anytime that there's a successful product out there with a successful feature, they copy the feature. Instagram gains stories because Snapchat. Yes. You know, yes. they they that that's what they do is they want to copy whatever seems to be out there to try and keep Facebook going. But they don't really have a good understanding of what's popular or why or what gets used. So they created a program that, well, first they bought a VPN service called Onavo a few years ago. And Onavo was basically piping all of the data back to Facebook. And they got caught for that and their hand got slapped and they discontinued it. Mm. And they had a parallel program called Facebook Research and they created a VPN service and they pushed it out there and said, we'll pay you 20 bucks if you give us all your data as research. But they didn't really tell you what all your data meant. And they didn't say that it was Facebook except for one panel as they were installing it. And they had a parental consent page that was one tap to go through. And so teenagers, 13 year olds, minors, people who do not have the legal ability to consent signed up Mm. for this thing and had their data sucked up by Facebook. Now, when you don't have the legal right to consent, when you're when you're a minor, it doesn't matter if you agreed or not, it puts the other company in the wrong. Yes, of course. They have to, they have to undo whatever contract they did. Whatever contract they had with you is not binding because they're a kid. And so, Facebook was sucking up people's data and the interesting thing is that, of course, this app that they used for it was not allowed in the App Store. So how did they do that? Do you know? Yes, because I'm a developer. I, I have a certificate that lets my apps run, or if Apple decides otherwise, doesn't. All right, all right. Slow, slow down, slow down. Back up a step, my friend. What is a certificate? Okay, this is a thing that I just agreed to because I needed to. Let me think it through. I wanted ah. the right to develop an app. <laughs> I had to fulfill the contract terms. One of them was, in return, I get this certificate that says, Oi, yes, you're legit. There you go. Uh, okay, Explain so that. so when you develop something, you sign it with that certificate. Yes. It's a digital way of ensuring that this code comes from you. And yes. it gives you the control to, you know, if you need to distribute it to your test devices, to be able to distribute it to your test devices. Yes, absolutely. And I've been okay. through this process many times, so, yes. So enterprises who need to distribute software to their employees and don't want to do it through the App Store because that's nuts, because they want to preload devices, they get enterprise certificates where they can go ahead and preload devices for employees using that certificate. Mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. does this. Facebook signs all of their internal betas with this certificate. Facebook yes. uses this certificate for internal messaging when they're doing messaging apps and things. They they use this internally as a part of um, you know apps that they've developed for doing transportation and logistics inside Facebook. They use they use this certificate to sign a number of different internal apps. They use it to do all kinds of things internally. It's a big part of their business. And they decided they were going to do this VPN service and roll it out to people as an app that they could load 
and they signed it with their enterprise certificate because that was the way to push it out as opposed to the App Store, which it would never have been cleared for. Um, uh, you make me pause there just for the thought that if you know your app is not going to pass the App Store thing, there might be a bigger issue involved here. But Well, so Facebook's ethos from the very beginning has been to move fast and break things and then fix them later. Okay. We're very political. They, they said move fast and break things as a way of encouraging hackers to keep trying to build stuff and being creative and being agile and being, being you know, sleek like a leopard, like my poor little computer here. And right. they, they didn't really consider in their moving fast and breaking things what would happen if the certificate got revoked. So let me say this, right? They they pushed out all of these applications to to conduct quote unquote market research or spy on what people are doing with their phones on iOS to people that were not their employees using their enterprise certificate intended for employees. That certificate is the same certificate that they used for all of their employees. That certificate was issued by Apple for the purposes of distributing stuff on iOS. Apple noticed the violation of their terms of service when the TechCrunch story about this published and then revoked it because it was in a violation of their terms, which broke the applications immediately for the people using the VPN service, which was the desired goal here, but also broke it for all of Facebook. So all of Facebook's internal builds stopped working, all of Facebook's messaging across iOS stopped working, all of Facebook's... um, internal logistics and transportation stuff that they developed for themselves stopped working. It basically broke their day. Yes. I believe the, uh, the legal term for this is um, didums. don't know if that's a, just a UK <laughs> term, but there we go. That is a, yes, that is a UK I, term, yeah. I, one, you can't personify companies, and they're not characters, they are groups of people. But I, I did smile when I saw that because even I, in my tiny little development role, would have known that would happen in fact i did actually lose my app in the app store because uh i lapsed as a developer i wasn't doing any more work i forgot to carry it on um and so the app was completely removed straight away as it would be no question no debate i then re-signed up redid the contracts app came back how could you complain about that um i think it's just the way it has to be and well that's so, worse for facebook I'm... so there there are some facebook employees who have been posting anonymously online and have have said with a sense of self-awareness sort of thing and, a, and recognition, you know, you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? You took risks. Yes. There have been other Facebook employees who blame Tim Cook that this is only about money, that how dare they, this was them attacking Facebook unfairly. Now, there are people who kind of agree with that because Google was doing something a little similar. Google had an application also for market research purposes, but Google advertised pretty clearly. This was from Google. Google made pretty clear what they were doing and people signed up for it. And the reason that Google didn't get their certificate revoked by Apple was because it seems, you know, as soon as this broke, Google turned it off themselves and apologized profusely. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying I like what they did, but if that's what they, how they responded to being caught, it's better than 
not responding to being caught. So, right. yeah, no problem there. Now, the well. we, we have yet to see if Facebook stuff has been turned on. That hasn't been clear yet. But I, I you know, there, there was a little bit of talk entertaining comments and things like this, you know. This is going to only be solved by lots of money and a little bit of groveling by Zuckerberg to, to Tim Cook. However, what what if instead, what if we had our imaginary scenario? What if you could write a scene for me where the where, where Mark Zuckerberg ends up trying to get this reinstated and ends up talking to some mid-level functionary at Apple? <laughs> right? Okay. I'd like to get my developer turned back on. I see, but it shows here you were in violation of our terms. Yes, I understand that, but I'd like to get our developer account turned back on. I'd like to get our certificates reissued. Right. I'm going to need some some contract and some certificate information from you and, and, and a system profile, you know, and just back and forth email exchanges going back and forth. To, now, that's that's silly. That's me having a little bit of shot in fruit here. But the other side of all of this is... And, and you know, this, the, for for people who are privacy advocates and feel good about iOS and like Apple and have an affinity towards Apple, this feels like a, te- a feel good story, right? Apple finally shut down Facebook for doing something that was clearly wrong, right? That feels good, doesn't it? I guess. I mean, I, I have an issue that, that I don't think there's a debate here. Um, the the argument that Apple's being vindictive in some way, or even that they're doing the right thing, it's a contractual stuff. Uh, Facebook signed a contract, broke the contract, off. That's it. It's three steps and out. There's no debate, no argument over it. You can ascribe other things like vindictiveness, if there is something. You can ascribe foolishness on Facebook's part. But factually, did this, did that, that happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, but but let me ask, should there be a question about Apple's power here? You know, no, no one else has checked Facebook on any of this there's there's been attempts to have him testify in england he didn't bother showing up he came before yeah. congress and didn't give any real answers to any questions he was asked um though to be fair he was barely asked any questions that's there, not there, um, there is that too yeah. but uh you know no, no one has no, no one with any regulatory power has done anything to facebook at all mm-hmm. for years the people that finally checked Facebook at all were Apple. And should Apple as a company have that much power that they can shut down a $400 billion business for a day? This isn't uh, one argument. Um, Yes, there's a question over whether Apple has the right to be the police, but uh, the answer is no, they don't. Except, yes, you can say that the effect is that they've policed this. You can say the effect is that they've checked uh, Facebook doing things, but actually they've stuck to their contract. That's it. They've done nothing else. And if the implication and the ramifications are bigger, well, then tough. You can't just change it because uh, Facebook is so big that them uh, screwing up their contracts should be in some way ignored. Um, It's specious, I think, to argue that a kind of causal chain here that Apple should be allowed to do this because of the size of it. Apple Apple works for itself. I mean, you might agree with its privacy stance, as I do. You might not. Uh, but its terms and conditions, its contracts solely benefit Apple. And all that's happened is that agreement was broken, nothing else. Uh, if there were a debate in Apple of whether they had the right to do this, then I am aghast uh, because they simply had to do it. Uh, I think they should go further. You know, if they, They've been very literal and precise about this, and I suspect they absolutely have to be. 
um, uh, it is this particular certificate that was used to do this particular app, so they've stopped that. Everything else is uh, collateral damage, but they what they haven't done is remove Facebook's other developer certificates, the ones that let them have the public apps around. And I think if there's a debate, there's an area there for it. Facebook is famously, unapologetically, consistently uh, flouting privacy rules in every possible way should the company's entire portfolio be removed. I don't know. And that's that's an interesting argument, but that's one of those things where I think if they did such a thing, it would damage Apple as much or more than it would damage Facebook, in a sense. And the reason is that people will switch phones for Facebook, I would think. The yes, other problem so. yeah. is that Facebook's app, they, they have three apps in the top 10 list. They, they have Instagram, they have Facebook itself, they have WhatsApp, and then somewhere along, I don't know, after that, they have Facebook Messenger. So but would you, you can't would you put this down to sense of scale. Apps yes, that I... are in your top 10, and would that hurt you to do so? Uh, what happens if you don't? I mean, I'm not saying whether Apple should or not. I'm just saying, look, at it's straight breach of terms equals getting rid of it. Whether or not Apple should do more uh, might be an issue, but the size and the scale that they're in the top 10 of or not, tough. In some ways, I would argue that if an app is breaking the rules and it's in your top 10, um, it is making a mockery of your rules for it. And if it's making a mockery of your rules, you don't have any rules. If you don't have any rules, then what's the difference between Apple's curated app store and Google's one? There isn't suddenly no difference at all for it. And Apple throws away one of its big benefits. So yeah, either way, Apple loses, but you know, they can choose which way to lose. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Now, we, we've talked privacy a lot here. We've spent a lot of time on this. The earnings call happened, didn't it? It did. Doesn't it seem a long time ago? Now, I mean, it was all really interesting. And then all of this other stuff has come out. I didn't know about the light bulbs one stuff, but I knew about Facebook and things and all this. So, and ultraviolet closing down as well. Loads have gone on. But uh, what did you think of the earnings call then? Well, so this this is a huge quarter, right? China... Issues with Chinese sales caused revenues to dip, but the rest of the figures suggest that stuff's going really well. Services went well. The iPhone XR that Wall Street Journal was saying was not selling, in fact, was the best-selling phone they had, followed by the XS Max and then followed by the XS. Mm. The, uh, there, there's really a lot of good news there, and despite the, the earnings adjustment, it was not as bad as people suggested. It was certainly not as bad as, as some of the stories we talked about in the past had indicated it could be. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Jim Cramer, who, who uh, has some investments in Apple, was, was saying that basically Wall Street didn't know how to respond to it being as good as it was. <laughs> the, the stock price has risen following the earnings call. So it it's, looks as if things are still healthy and still on track. No, 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 no. Hang on. Excuse me. Apple announces its earnings and good or bad stock price goes down. That's the rule. It is always this way. But you're saying not this time. Went up after that. Wow. Okay. Well, bad time for me to want to buy where, stocks Where then. is it today? Where is it today? Huh? Let's, let's look at that. I will open my trusty rusty stocks app on my iPhone because I can't do it on a 2008 MacBook. I always wondered why the stocks app was on the iPhone as, you know, mail, phone, stocks. It didn't seem a vital one, but I might reveal it, how few stocks I, I mean, have. 
if if the stock the stocks app was on the iPhone because if you were working at Apple and you could reach into your pocket and see how you were doing today based on <laughs> that's that's what it was for um, yeah so as, as of this moment the price is 166 and uh, it's just looking up uh, past week it was at um, like 155 or 157 or something uh, a week ago. No. Am I on the week scale here? I'm Looks just like wondering, yeah. can I go out and buy one share of Apple stock? Yeah, so on just just a day ago, it was closer to the 157. This time today it's 10 points up more or less. So, that's not bad. You can <laughs> certainly buy one share if you want. Right. Well, it's kind of I'm silly, not... but but yeah, we can, we can buy one share. I've said to you before, I've known journalists who do buy one share in a company because it gets some access to all sorts of information they don't otherwise get. But um, yeah, so for, do you think it's because Apple was up front and said, uh, we're not going to do as well? That well, I think that certainly don't. helps. You know, it, uh, setting expectations goes a long way in anything in life. And, you know, our uh, editors that you and I have worked with before have, have championed the slogan, fail loud which says, let them know early, let them know loudly if something's going wrong. Oh, yeah. And Also, fail fast. That's another one, but yes. Well, eh, get the bad stuff out of the way and get it fails, right. If you yeah. don't really plan for it. but Well, you, you plan a little bit about for it, but if you're planning for failure, you're planning basically around things like what are the possible items that could go wrong and let's give time in the timeline specifically for those things to be fixed and know how we're going to address them if they do happen. You know, you, you still can't exactly plan when they'll happen necessarily but uh so so anyway earnings stock price going up things look good um kramer's comment was that dysfunctional analysts cut and run from apple and that they didn't know what to do when the numbers weren't as bad as they'd feared basically i'm actually a little disappointed in that because uh, i've come to expect financial analysts to be able to find doom in absolutely anything um and they've let me down this time but okay yeah yeah there's always another one next quarter expressvpn has easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background on the computer phone and tablet and you turn it on with only one click expressvpn secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public ap address and you can protect yourself with expressvpn for less than seven dollars a month it's the number one vpn service by as rated by tech radar and it comes with the 30-day money-back guarantee so if you ever use public Wi-Fi, for example, and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is the solution. And if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider, ExpressVPN is the answer. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash appleinsider. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash appleinsider for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash appleinsider to learn more. Now, we were talking before about security and about uh, threat modeling and what happens when foreign governments come gunning for William Gallagher. Again, yes, we were. Just trying to drive that image home to you. I'm so, kind of inured to it, really, but, you know, which government US, is it today? Yes. Well, today it's it's uh, United Arab Emirates. Oh, right. What have I done to that? I, I can't talk about that publicly, William. You know that. But okay. using a tool known as Karma, former U.S. intelligence operatives working for UAE broke into the iPhones of activists, diplomats, and foreign leaders. 
And that's that's interesting because we know that iPhone has had vulnerabilities in the past, but that for the most part, iPhone is is mostly secure. And, and that Apple keeps trying to keep it secure because that's one of the things that, that they need to have. They want it to be as secure as possible. And, you know, this came up a couple of years ago with the uh, San Bernardino shooting where the FBI made a big, uh, big show about not being able to get into their iPhone and how Apple wasn't being helpful and how they wanted Apple to break the iPhone for them. And so it's it's kind of curious to see that that foreign governments have access like this now the question is exactly what does that tool do and how does it work we don't know exactly although it's said that basically all they had to have was the phone number of the person to be able to get in okay in, well in, actually in, that's all right because the number of times people phone me now it's ridiculously low compared to all emails and texts so my number's far more hidden than it ever was we'll be okay yeah, no, targets didn't have to tap on a link to be exposed, which is kind of a thing that happens in other ones. Mm. That as long as they they had phone numbers or email addresses, that that was it. Now, that Are was we... used between 2016 and 2017, so it's not even sure that, that iOS is still vulnerable to that. It could be patched by now. Wow. Everybody's listening to everybody else. Are we just not busy enough, do you think? Yeah, I don't know we about listening because I feel like I feel like people talk past each other more than listen to each other. Well, I don't know what you're saying there at all. Oh, nuts! That was actually a response. I was trying to be clever and talk straight over you. And automatic dialogue. A dramatist here had to respond. Okay, right. Well, yes, done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, failed, but in an honourable way. Okay, is there any non-security, uh, non-spying news? No. Going on. Oh, there is a good thing though. I mean, no, this no, isn't no, this no. week. It's Apple's last self-driving week. project Titan Car. Yeah. Previously had technology stolen from it by an employee. Okay. Happened again. Following up on an internal Apple investigation, the FBI arrested a second person accused of trying to steal secrets related to the self-driving car platform. Are they the it's same all, secrets? It's all security. It's all security, William. It's all it is. All the way down. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Device rumors. You want to do device rumors? Oh, actually, yes. I'm sorry. I'm so glad. I'm a bit excited there because just before we started talking, I realized, oh, Victor will know this. Um, Angela is looking for a new iPad. Uh, and I've said, yeah, Apple Insider reports that they look like there are several new ones coming. Um, I don't know the details of these. But do you have details of what they are or, or when we might actually expect them to come? Okay, so first of all, we don't really know a whole lot. Second of all, what we do know is that there are SKU, stock keeping unit numbers, mm-hmm. which are basically mapped to each SKU is either a new product. Well, each, each SKU is a product or an iteration of a product, right? You, you get a different SKU number for the 32 gig version versus the 128 gig version, even if they're nominally the same device, because yeah. you want to be able to track inventory wise, which one do you have in stock? Sure. Yes. Right. Is so, the pink so one each iteration of a product, yeah. yeah, is treated as yeah. its own thing. There, there are a bunch of SKU numbers that popped up that appear to be for iPads. That it's it's unclear exactly what they are. There's been a lot of rumor about a mini iPad. It's also possible that the 9.7 inch is due for a refresh because it's been out for about a year. 
How do we know that it's probably iPads? Um, are, they, are these numbers distinctive in some way? That's that's what they look like. Now, the problem is that anyone can enter anything into an inventory system when they're doing the inventory management. So if Apple is is saying, we're going to send you these things, but don't let anyone know, they can put in placeholders instead of real numbers. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> or somebody bored at the system could just make them up to get us talking. Okay. Well, unlikely, because you don't want to do that to screw up your inventory, although your inventory is not that screwed up if you've got a zero item stock. But <laughs> if you're just getting things ready, you could put in a different description or something like that. And it's 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 just hard to know. So there could, in fact, be several new iMacs like I've been waiting for for ages. I, I, I doubt it. But, you know, iPads feels like the next thing that we should see being announced. Now, there's also been some talk about the Mac Pro that we have yet to see materialize. And mm. I don't know that that would be coming or not coming, but it's it's one of those things that we're still hopeful for and that we still have people thinking a lot about. I think I'm unconsciously assuming, I mean, I really haven't thought about it, that the Mac Pro will be towards the end of the year. I don't know why I think that, just that's why. So um, Could be. I think, uh, wasn't it last March, uh, Apple had that really good education event in Chicago, I think it was, and yep. iPads came out then. So yeah, yeah uh, oh, we're into February already. So it feels like a year ago. on, and year on your iPad introductions feels like a good thing. You know, yes. that's, that's something reliable is that, that Apple tends to want to be able to release year on year for iPad. Mm -hmm. So okay. Angela might so be involved. So she should wait. But she should probably wait until March sometime. Curses. You can hold on a little bit longer. Come on. Yeah, but you know, it's like you get household bills coming in and things. You know, you want to pay that sort of stuff off. Maybe I'm describing my financial acumen rather than hers, but okay. <laughs> Don't tell her I said any of this bit. Yeah. Um, we, yeah. we, we still got that rumor that says that the next iPhone is going to get USB-C instead of lightning. I'm and three cameras. And three yeah. cameras with, with lasers for augmented reality and all kinds of cool stuff. Not sure how much stock I place in any of that. And the reason is that there's a ton of stuff built up around lightning Lightning is a really good connector. It, it makes sense for them to transition in terms of unifying around one connector and, and unifying across iOS devices across one connector as well as Mac. It makes less sense from a standpoint that they have people that have built up a whole lot around this and they have a licensing regime around it, MFI. Hmm. Now, they would be giving up MFI on all of the adapters. But the big deal of MFI is that it used to give them a lot in terms of connected devices, speaker, do speaker docks and things like that. Right now, the only uh, you know, there, there aren't a whole lot of speaker docks left. I'm sure you can find some, but for the most part, everyone's gone Bluetooth with occasional spots of airplay. So if you're connecting your phone to stuff, you're pretty much connecting it to CarPlay systems and, and in-car things. And that doesn't necessarily need to be MFI licensed either, although it... it needs to be CarPlay certified if it's going to be CarPlay. You know, they, they used to do that kind of thing with uh, a reduced license so that the car manufacturers would get on board. So the rest of the MFI stuff that's out there is fitness equipment, and fitness equipment is pairing using Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So you don't really need Lightning for that either. So could they do away with the MFI program as it currently stands as a part of Lightning? Could they keep MFI for other things that are connecting wirelessly and, and other devices that connect, but... but for USB-C, for example, just make it, just do away with Lightning, make the connector USB-C and, and not have MFI fees on that. 
Is there a reason I should care? I mean, I get that uh, the, there have been cases where there are non-approved cables that have been rubbish. So I, that's a demonstrable benefit to me. But even in these same circumstances, you say, since most of my stuff is wireless now, uh, as an individual, do I care whether Apple has MFI? And I'm sure there's a British furniture store called MFI. Okay, sorry. Possible. But it's... it's um... Do you remember how much people were upset about the transition to Lightning from 30-pin? Yeah, very much so. It's a really long time ago now, isn't it? It's a shockingly long time. I can't remember when. Uh, about 2012 was when that happened. Right. 2000, wow. That was that was iPhone uh, 5 timeframe. Right. 4S was 30-pin, 5 was Lightning. And within about a year, everything was. Yes. You know, they started with the phone first, and then the iPads got it. And, and like an iPad Mini 4 was the last thing. To, to get I remember that I used to have 30 pin cables all over the house and then the next thing you know I just didn't and the other day I was powering up my original iPad for something and the f- search for one of these cables that used to be everywhere yes I don't miss it actually it's a no. rubbish cable but... and the thing about it is that you know one of the things that made that transition difficult was the lack of supply of lightning connectors at the time that it was it was quite difficult for manufacturers to get the connector and then made it quite difficult to make the accessories, which meant there was a shortage, which meant that you had the phone and things were really difficult for yes. a brief period of time. And with USB-C, that connector has been around and is widely available. And further, you don't have to buy it directly through Apple's partner like you do with a lightning connector. Okay. So the supply issue isn't there, which means a transition could go fairly smoothly. Oh, see, I'm sorry. I went off down a different line there for it. Yes, it could be done uh, smoother than I would have said 10 minutes ago before you said this. Yeah, okay, you've turned me around a bit there. I could see how it could be done um, more easily. Mm. Yeah. So the, I don't know. It's it's a thought. I'm kind of hopeful they don't just from the standpoint that there are people who don't like that new connector that the USB-C connector doesn't do a good job of retaining cables inside, that, that there are problems, of course, with the, the cable spec and with, with people who have violated the cable spec. That, um, But, you know, on, on the other hand, it's, it, it functions. I mean, I've used it on Android phones. It's there. It's, it's not the worst thing ever. Of course, yeah. further than that is a future that doesn't have any cables connected at all, that there are no <laughs> ports. You know, the, uh, the, the Maizu phones came out and they have no ports at all. Well, remember, I'm in Britain and we're currently looking at just effectively closing all the ports here. So I can no. see. Oh, well done, logic. sir. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. You've got to get some relief out of this horrible situation. Uh, I'm honestly surprised, though, that Apple isn't the first to get rid of a port because Apple's famously uh, always wanted to get rid of wires and sockets. Well, ages and, and ages and ages ago. There was an iPhone rumor years ago about an iPhone having a um, the, the 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 three magnetic connector the same way that they have the smart connector for iPad. Oh yes, yes. And my thought was they could use that for charging and data, and they wouldn't have to have a lightning port or anything else. That that if you just make that on the surface and it magnetically attaches that way, you've done away with ports. Right. But that didn't come to fruition. Smart connector did not happen for iPad very well, and it didn't happen for iPhone at all. And on that note, 
That brings us to the end of the show. William, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can always, I think, practically every minute, find me on Twitter at W Gallagher. But I'm also at the end of the email address, uh, William at AppleInsider.com. I'm VMarks on Twitter. I will be dictating my tweets and, uh, and, and sitting here sometimes publishing at AppleInsider.com. As soon as I can get something that's a little bit more modern than this 2008 MacBook, which is just barely holding on for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I do hope you've enjoyed it. We hope to have you back next week. Please get in touch with us. Thank you. We really appreciate you.